The language of leaders is storytelling, and many leaders understand the power of stories. But I also hear this question a lot. How do I start finding the stories that I could tell? In this episode, David Hutchins returns to show us exactly how to find the stories that will help you lead better. This is Coaching for Leaders, episode 593. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing human potential. Greetings to you from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. Leaders aren't born, they're made. And this weekly show helps you discover leadership wisdom through insightful conversations. One of the most important competencies for us as leaders is the ability to be able to tell stories. You've heard me say it on the show before that stories are the language of leaders. Many of us have heard that storytelling is important, and yet it is something that we put up a lot of mental barriers on. And one of the questions I hear often from folks is, how do I find stories that I can utilize in order to influence? How do I find stories inside our organization, with our customers, with my colleagues? Today, we're going to do a deep dive on how we can begin to find the stories that are going to be most useful to us and useful to others. I'm so glad to welcome back our resident storytelling expert, David Hutchins. David helps leaders find and tell their stories. He works with leaders around the world to find, craft, and tell their most urgent stories for the purpose of creating shared meaning, preserving culture, disseminating learning, and speeding change in organizations. David has taught the Storytelling Leader Program at some of the most influential organizations, and he's written many books, including The Circle of the Nine Muses and The Leadership Story Deck. He is the co-creator with longtime friend of the show, Susan Gerke, of the Go Team Program, and he's also the author of the book Story Dash, Find, Develop, and Activate Your Most Valuable Business Stories in Just a Few Hours. David, welcome back to the show. All right. Thank you, Dave, and, and, and thank you for the, the welcome back piece, because I, I, I actually had to look up my engagement with, with your show. This is my fifth appearance on Coaching for Leaders. I am so excited about that. And I am always so glad to have you on because every time you are on, we have so many folks reach out to you. I hear from so many of our members about how helpful the frameworks are for storytelling. And this is such an important competency, as I mentioned in the introduction, isn't it? I mean, we're, we're just... I don't think this is something that we ever arrive at. We can all get better at doing this, and you just have such a helpful framework for doing that. And that's actually a good lead into our conversation because we are going to spend a bunch of time in this conversation today looking at how do we find stories? How do we mine them, as you say? That's something that I find that some people really naturally do well, but I think for most of us, we find that a bit of a struggle, and you have some wonderful tactics on how to do that for someone who's who's thinking that way. And we're also going to look at a couple of the frameworks for stories. You're really wonderful at helping make the frameworks easy so you can actually start to think of what the story looks like. And I thought maybe we'd start by looking at a couple of the frameworks so folks have an idea of what a story might look like that can be useful and effective. And you have a couple for us to look at today, and one of them is called an at-our-best story. And maybe we can kind of look at an example of uh, of what a story like that would be. Okay, perfect. So you're, you're exactly right, Dave. When, when I work with leaders, 
almost all of them, almost 100% will say the same thing when we're working. They all say this phrase. They'll say, I can't think of any stories. Mm. Everybody says that. I can't think of any stories. And yeah, I can't think of any either. They don't just come to me. I have to do something really intentional to, to find these and bring them forward. And one way I do that is through the story taxonomies, story types. Story is strategic. You know, it begins with selection. Which story should I be telling? And when I break it down into these taxonomies, that seems to be really helpful. And so, yes, one that I want to share today with you is a really fun story to tell. It's a story that brings a lot of energy forward in the team and in the system when we tell it. And it is the us at our best story, the us at our best story. One organization, Dave, that that does this really well, that has institutionalized this here in the United States is Southwest Airlines. They're really good at it. So I'm going to share with, with you a great us at our best story You may have seen this one because recently I saw it all over LinkedIn. It kind of went viral. Hmm. And it's a really beautiful story. In fact, maybe in the show notes, we can put in the link because it includes photographs and and the photos are, are just a lot of fun. Oh, neat. Yeah, we'll find it. So listen to this. So there's some beautiful photos that go with this, but the, I think the story will create some images in your mind as I speak. Here, here's how this story goes. So when Pam and Jeremy boarded a flight, From Dallas to Las Vegas, they were both dressed in full wedding attire. It turns out that the couple, along with an ordained minister named Chris, had just rushed across town to Dallas Love Field Airport from Dallas-Fort Worth, where their flight to Vegas on one of our competitors had just been canceled. This meant they would not make it to their wedding chapel appointment in Vegas that night. When their pilot, Captain Gill, noticed Pam's wedding dress, he asked her about it. Well, Pam explained their predicament and joked to him that they should just get married on the flight. To her surprise, Captain Gill said, let's do it. (laughs) Everyone from our flight crew to our customers got involved. Our crew hung toilet paper streamers, made a snack mix sash for Chris, and downloaded a full wedding soundtrack before takeoff to be used in the ceremony. Julie, one of our flight attendants, even stepped in as Pam's maid of honor. One passenger who happened to be a professional photographer pulled out her camera for official wedding photos. Another passenger passed around an old notebook for the cabin to sign with their seat numbers and well wishes to be given to the couple as a guest book. All right, listen to this last part of the story. This part is really important. At Southwest, our people are famous for their heart. So it was a no-brainer for our crew when the opportunity to create this special moment arose. Congratulations to the newlyweds on an impromptu in-flight wedding that neither our employees nor customers are likely to forget. We can't wait to welcome you on board for your next adventure on the Love Airline. Such a beautiful story. And it, when you were about a third of the way through it, I thought, oh, I did see this online. And it's just it's just an example of the power of a great, genuine story and how much that really does take off like wildfire and get shared when it, it really represents something great about the organization. So here, here's what's powerful about this. 
is uh, I, I was having a conversation with somebody afterwards about this story and the and they said, well, yeah, if cool stuff like that happened in my organization, then yeah, I could tell a great story like that too. But cool stuff like that doesn't happen here. Mm. I think it's exactly the other way around. I think the reason cool stuff like that happens at Southwest Airlines is because they're telling the stories. When they tell these stories, it creates behavioral norms and shared understanding so that we start to see the behaviors in the story emerge within the system. Cooper Ryder talks about the heliotropic effect in organizations, heliotropism. that In, in biological systems, we see this like, you know, helio is the sun, right? When the sun moves across the summer sky, if there's a sunflower, the sunflower will will face the sun. It'll actually move over the course of an eight-hour day to face the sun. This happens in social systems as well. Cooper Ryder says, organizational systems move in the direction of the positive stories we continually place in front of them. Hmm. Wow. And just to reinforce what you said a moment ago, we've had Ginger Hardage on the show before, who was the, a couple of times, was the senior vice president of culture at Southwest Airlines. And the amount of intention that Ginger and her team put into stories and sharing stories, I mean, it, it, very much the belief was exactly what you said, that it's not that we're kind of waiting to f- see what happens. It's we're being really intentional about sharing stories because we know that actually is what creates the culture and then precipitates more stories like that one happening that you just shared. And we see these, you know, every few months you see something about Southwest Airlines. That's a great story like that in the in the media. And you never see that about any other airline, right? Because they've built right. the culture to really have that be like, this is, like you said, us at our best, isn't it? Yeah, that that line towards the end of the story that I called out where they said, our people are famous for their heart. Yeah. Well, that, that's not a toss-off line. That is a strategic statement of intentional identity. Mm. So they, they start with that, and then they work backwards and say, let's find the stories that, that breathe life into this idea. And yeah. then they tell those stories. So my my challenge to your audience is, what are the behaviors you would like to see more of in your system? Tell stories that have those behaviors in them. Yeah. And then keep telling them and watch what will happen. You'll see the behaviors emerge. Yeah. And that really comes back to that, you know, language of leaders is storytelling. That's the way that we reflect culture and influence and the what we want and, and uh, us at our best, all those things you mentioned. And as you were saying that, and I was thinking, I was reflecting on your most recent book, so much of this is about the emotional system. And one of the things that I, you know, I realize more and more that's important to pay attention to is what are the kinds of things that are happening inside the organization that really do strike a chord emotionally with, with you and with others? And that's, to me, it, it seems like a really good starting point for starting to figure out what are the stories that I and we should surface in the organization, that it'd be helpful. Yeah. uh, Paying attention to that emotional system, I think, is a really valuable exercise for leaders. And your your tool for doing that is is your your body. It's it's a somatic awareness. Because if you pay attention to yourself and how you're responding to messages, what I find is most of the time I'm up in my brain 
you know, because that th- that's where we move into when we're at work. We move up into our heads and, and we have data conversations. And I'm thinking, okay, good point. Huh? That's an interesting point. Huh? That's logical. And then every now and then, if you hear a story or something particularly human, you feel the energy move down into your body. You know, I, I feel a lot of emotions like in my chest area, that, that feeling where you go, ooh, right? Where, where we've moved out of our brains and now we're, we're experiencing the story emotionally. That's really powerful. People are really engaged when we make that shift and as leaders, we want that. We want that whole person engagement because there's a lot we can do with that. Yeah, indeed. And what a great lead into starting to think about how we find some of these stories as well. Because I hear the same thing you do, David, whenever we get in a conversation about storytelling with one of our members is, you know, everyone's bought into the idea. We all know the value of story. And yet we run into the well, how do I find them? Or or maybe even I'm trying to find them and I, I can't find them or I'm not able to see them. And there's a couple of ways to go about this. And, and you highlight a bunch of them. And I, as I was thinking about them, I think it kind of falls into like a couple of buckets of one way is to do this really intentionally and formally for yourself or with others. And then there's maybe sort of an informal part of this and an everyday, like, what do I listen for and watch for and notice in the organization kind of goes to the point you just mentioned. Maybe we start off by looking at it formally of like, how would we start? And one of the things you've done is you've created all these taxonomies of different kinds of stories. I think it's like it's helpful to know how to tell a story, but it's also really useful to think about. What are the kinds of stories that are out there? Like, it's a good trigger for that. And that that's often a good starting point for this, right? So when I'm working with teams, that's exactly what it looks like. It, it, it is intentional. If we just wait for this to happen, like automatically, we're going to be disappointed. This requires some intentionality. We, we need to sit down and be strategic about this. And so when I'm with teams... This is a big part of our work is finding these, I call them the narrative assets, the the value holding stories that say something really urgent about who we are and what we do and why we do it. And so one of the resources that that I use with my teams is is this cool little resource called the Leadership Story Deck. And it's it's on Amazon and it's it's a, a deck of cards with dozens of ideas of types of stories you could be telling about your leadership. And it, it's it's loaded with examples. It's all real stories that I've heard from leaders and organizations around the world. And they're stories that you can connect to innovation work, to sales work, to team and organizational development, organizational learning. So when I'm with a team, we all use the story deck and we select cards of story types. Maybe one is the us at our best story that I just gave you an example of. And there's there's many others. We select these story types that are relevant to the challenge or the need. And then we do a process called story mining, story mining. It's what it sounds like. There, you know, your your brain is like a, a mine of stories, endless stories and experiences. And we want to go in there with you know a little pickaxe and find these nuggets of gold, these these assets that are are valuable. And so, using the cards, we distribute the cards and sticky notes, and we start identifying the experiences that we've had that match the story types on the card. And so. You know, for the the leader who says, I I don't have any sales stories. I don't have any innovation stories. 
that's easily disprovable. <laughs> you, you have hundreds of these stories. You just don't know which ones to select. And so at the end of the exercise, we'll have a dozen story ideas where leaders are going, oh, it never occurred to me that I could tell this story. Mm. Really? People would want to hear this story. And often it's these beautiful stories and leaders like self-critique themselves and say, I don't think anybody wants to hear this. And they, those end up being the most powerful stories. As you were saying that, I was thinking about the image of going to a restaurant and sitting down and having a conversation with a server without any context or a menu of like what you were going to have. And that would be a really difficult conversation, and it would take a long time. And that's why no restaurant in the world does that hardly ever, is mm. when you go in, you get a menu, right? And so there's a defined set of things that you can select from. But that defined set triggers you to think, ooh, what would I like? What's the variation of this that I really want to eat and to try out? And to be way more creative than any of us would ever be on our own if we didn't have that context. And you're almost doing the same thing for story is you're making it easier by providing that context in advance. By, by the way, one thing logistically, there's a few ways to get access to the story deck. I think it is the best $30 that anybody could spend if you want to get better at this. And I have bought several decks over the years and, and sent them off to our members and have one myself. I use it for my own just prompts and thinking about stories. So we're going to link to that in the episode notes and in this week's weekly leadership guide. So if this is of interest to you, you can grab the full set. However, you don't need to do that to get started on this. So if you want to sit down and go through this process of thinking through this formally, David, you you always are so gracious of making your email address available, and we're going to link that up in the episode notes as well. You're welcome to email David, and he'll send you a subset of the cards for free. And or there's also a link on David's website where you can download, I think, six of the cards, David, as a starting point. So regardless of which way you decide to engage, I would encourage you to grab you know, some of those cards because it'll be a really good starting point for you in thinking about starting to create a bit of that menu and and putting them together and and you know even starting with those six cards david you know it, it there's something there that's going to be that starting point that trigger for what where you begin with the story yeah so the the six cards which i'll send to you if you email me or go to the website those six story types are specific to change and transformation work so if you're a leader who's bringing a change forward which i think is all of us that's yeah, what leaders do much, right, right? then these six story types are a great place to begin for aligning the system and aligning people to this change that you're introducing. So yes, send me an email, david at davidhutchins.com. David Hutchins, H-U-T-C-H-E-N-S. You got to spell it correctly. Uh, and it'll be in the show notes, but I'll send those to you. Great. So you get the, let's say you have the six cards in front of you. How do you decide which one or ones are the ones that you should lean in on starting to think about story like because I, I can imagine there are sometimes people set that down and they look at all the options like, hmm, where do I start? What's the best way to start? I find that people are able to to narrow down the choices pretty quickly, simply going through one at a time. You know, as you look at the story types, you'll go, no, no, I don't need this one. Oh, yes, we we need a the power of our values story for this sales presentation. I mean, I, I find that people are able to, to narrow it down pretty quickly. 
And then it's a matter of finding the story assets that you have that match that story type. And you know, as, as I described, we can do this individually through story mining. You can do it sitting at your desk, which it sounds like you've done that in preparation for, for your, your shows. Yeah. You can also do this. It's really rich as a social experience. You know, you know, like when you go out with friends that you knew in college and you have beer and, and someone says, oh, remember that thing that we did? And somebody else goes, oh, no, 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 no. Here's what happened. No, here's how I remember. And then it, it becomes this social experience of kind of like reconstructing the past through our shared memories. It's it's really powerful. And you can do this with a team. Oh, remember that that tough client we had? Oh, I can't believe we survived that one. We learned so much, right? And so bringing the team together to, to do the story mining experience becomes really rich, not just in finding stories, but it's also a rich sense-making conversation for the team. It's funny you're saying that because, of course, you do this all the time with teams. And in my mind, I've done this mostly individually. I never thought about this as a as almost like a team building exercise as well. And it, what you described of like a group of friends sitting down and telling stories that happens so naturally. Why not utilize this as a catalyst to have that conversation with a team? I can see how powerful that would be of starting to trigger like, oh, do you remember when this happened with this situation or with this customer or two years ago when this event happened that was specific around us doing our best at something? And there's so much power there in being able to start to elicit the stories that are going to be useful for folks. It's actually a lot of fun. You know, yeah. we, we have fun in this work. People like get excited. You you can feel the, the energy in the room. And, and what's amazing about this is, you know, the, the leaders who who have you know brought this program together for their teams, when they start hearing the stories come forward, they start going, Oh my gosh, I I had no idea about some of these stories. There are stories on your team that you would be amazed when you hear them. And we don't hear them because we don't create enough occasions for those stories to come forward. Mm, wow. One of the lines in the book is this, trust the small story. Don't fall into the epic importance trap. I think there's a strong message there. Tell me about that. This happens all the time because, because leaders, the, the leaders I work with tend to be super smart people. And they're working on very complex projects with big budgets. And so they're, they're thinking in terms of strategic roadmaps and seven points of intervention and, you know, uh, this complicated case study. And, and what I challenge them to do is to, to bring it down, you know, think of a movie and then think of scenes within a movie. We want the scenes. We, we don't want you to tell us that the entire two hour plot in in three minutes. Bring us down to a specific moment. So I was sitting at my desk and the phone rang and I saw that it was my client. And I thought, this is not good. He never calls me. And I picked up the phone and my heart was racing and the news was worse than I thought. Right? Mm -hmm. This small moment where something happens says everything about our leadership about our brand, about who we are as an organization. So a lot of my work is getting leaders to trust these small moments. And then kind of like we heard with Southwest at the end, we we draw an insight out of that. Hey, this small moment says something about who we are. And you have to use your language. You have to say what that thing is. So, so yes, those small personal stories can be really powerful. 
Yeah. So the, at the start, though, it's just getting a bunch of ideas down and you're not necessarily trying to like, OK, how am I exactly going to tell this story? How does it flow? All of that. That's a later step. But it's just starting to like get the ideas going, because like once you start there, then you can start to identify which ones do you want to play out. And if you identify them, name them, get them in, you know, down on paper. I actually have some in a database, which we might get to in a moment. Like how do how did do that just to start getting the ideas flowing. Because once you start the ideas flowing, for me, that's the hardest part. Like, then it's like refinement from there. But if I get some ideas going, I'm like, okay, here's some stories that I could tell related to the situation, that really helps as far as creating a catalyst. And, and so I do that too. I have story ideas in Evernote and I tag them so I can go find them. You know, stories about trust or story stories about storytelling or stories about leadership. And I, I always give them a title, which kind of helps me remember them. Yeah. The the day I blew it on the IBM account. That's one of my stories. The day I quit the advertising business. That's one of my origin stories of how I got into the learning industry. So I start with the title, which when you name a story, it kind of lives in your memory. You know, there's a lot of talk and meaning making about the power of naming something. When you name something, it becomes this knowledge artifact. It when when you name the story, it's almost like you've put a handle on a suitcase. It it now it's this this artifact, this thing that you can work with. You motivated me to do this a few years ago too, of reading through and thinking about creating a story library. Perhaps this will just demonstrate to people how geeky we are, but I do almost the same thing. I use a program called Obsidian and I take notes on stories. I name each one. I have a hashtag that says story. So anytime I'm, I feel I'm doing a client event or I'm going to have a, a significant customer interaction or something or putting together content and I'm, I'm like, and I'm thinking inevitably those are the times that I can't think of the story, right? As many times as I've done this, like there's something about, I, I just, the, the brain goes blank because I'm not in that creative mode. I'm in like kind of getting ready for something mode and I'll go in and I'll search for my little story hashtag. And then there's like, maybe there's not a, a ton. There's a couple of dozen in there right now. I'm working on building my, my database, but they all are named. And inevitably every time I go in there and I'm like, oh, there's one I haven't told in a while. And I, I get a little obsessive over it. Like I'll even go in and after I tell the story, I'll record in that note. Here's the, here's the last time I told the story. So that way I'm not telling the same stories, you know, all the time. Like I'm using a variety of different stories, which is probably a little obsessive, but anyway, it's just, it's a, it's a fun way to like be able to utilize the technology, but also to be able to be creative and be prompted with ideas. Because like once it's there, I don't have to hold that in my brain so much. Yeah, I, I do the same thing. When I present to a group, I'll I'll make a note of which stories I told. Because honestly, the, the, the thing that kind of embarrasses me is if I'm standing in front of a group for a second time and I start telling a story and someone says, oh, you already told us this, mm. you know? I hate that feeling. I'll go, oh, I'm sorry. My wife does this all the time at the dinner table. I'll start telling a story and she'll say, yeah, you already told me this yesterday. We don't want to turn into our parents, right? Where we tell the same story. 
<laughs> yeah, you, you, I, you, I don't want to be that guy. I want to be the guy with lots of stories. So, so yes, I also keep those notes. If I work with a group multiple times, I'll make a note of which stories I brought to which contexts, and even what the outcome was of that. Did it move the audience uh, forward in the way that I hoped that it would? Interesting. You know, and uh, all that said, I also have had the conscious thought, and people have even told me, like, there's something to be said for sometimes repeating a story, and especially for an executive leader who's talking to lots of different audiences, or maybe even the same audience, sometimes like repeating a story is also really useful, especially if you're talking about vision in the organization and where we're going and where we're heading, or at least reminding people that story. Uh, there's there's some value there as well, too. But yeah, it's it's helpful to be intentional about it either way, whether I am intentional, I'm going to say the same story, or I'm going to bring in something new, which is maybe a good shift for us to think about how we do some of this more informally. We've been talking formally, like how do you really craft this with intention and sit down and take some time to do that. There's some informal things to do too. And one of them that I've noticed over the years is just like, what do I watch and listen for? So when I'm in conversation with colleagues, when I'm at an event, when I'm in front of customers, when I'm talking to executive leadership, what do I listen for that might be indicators for story? When you are coaching people on figuring out like how to just listen and find those stories in everyday interactions. What are the kinds of things that that they should listen for that be the indicator like, oh, maybe that's a story I might be able to use? So first of all, we're we are standing in a stream, a constantly moving stream of experiences. Stories are happening all the time. You and I are in a story right now that we might choose to tell later. I mean, it, I could spend time with this and afterwards say, hmm, I learned something in that conversation with Dave Stahoviak. Something happened mm. that I think is worth bringing forward. I mean, so so we're in it right now, all the time. Once we start exercising this skill, it does get easier over time. It's like a muscle that we exercise that feels stiff at first, and then it becomes more limber. And the skill is looking at the world through a story lens. And again, it feels awkward at first, but then we start recognizing, oh, there's stories happening right now. Oh, something good happened in this team meeting. Oh, the, the way Janet just showed dignity to Joe, that was really awesome. That says something about what we care about here on this team. I'm going to bring that forward. I'm going to tell other people what happened in this meeting. And then we start becoming one of those storytelling leaders that can create these indelible moments of engagement that are real. They're stories about things that have happened that are meaningful to us. Mm, nice. I uh, At one point in my career, I had I was attending a number of client events, and the clients were often giving presentations, and I was observing. And it, it took me a while to figure this out. But eventually, I came to a point of like, I should be listening for great examples and writing them down as I'm at this event. And sometimes the events would be two or three hours. And so I started doing that. I would take out a piece of paper and I'd listen just through the lens of like, what do I hear that's cool? What do I yeah. hear that represents the best of what we do and the best of what our clients are doing? And it was the first time I did it, it was a two, three hour event. And I wrote down seven pages of notes and I came out thinking like, what have I been doing for years? <laughs> To right. have missed all right. of this, right? And of course, I hadn't missed it, but I hadn't had the intention of just listening for like what's emotional, what are people saying that like really resonates. And it was really powerful. It's interesting when you just start to tune in 
to be real intentional to find something and like like you would if you were going fishing, right? Like you could stand by the river and watch the water go by all day long and you're never going to even see a fish. But if you find the right bait, use the right equipment, like specifically, like you, you could catch a lot in a short period of time. It's just it's just the intention behind it. So he, here's a pro tip for your audience. The skill of listening for stories, of noticing when other people are telling a story, stories tend to start with a time and a place marker, and then also a protagonist, a time and a place marker and a protagonist. We do this all the time. We just don't pay attention to it. You know, my my wife might say, this morning, I talked to my mom on the phone. Mm. Oh, okay. Really? What? Is everything okay? Tell me about that. That story language. Did you hear it? Time and a place marker. Yeah. I I didn't say place. This morning I was in the kitchen and the phone rang and it was my mom, right? So time, place, and a protagonist. When when we hear this, when we hear people talking this way, once you get used to it, you can go, ooh, story. Let me pay attention. Let me capture this. You know, uh, a, a few weeks ago, a woman in a wedding dress got on a Southwest flight. Her name was Pam, right? So time and a place and a person. Something interesting is about to happen. We can be mindful and attentive to that. Yeah, what a great indicator that that something's there. You know, as, as you were saying that, I was thinking that, I don't know if this falls in the bucket of informal, but not quite as formal as what we were talking about earlier, that one of my early managers at Dale Carnegie had a practice that every time we got together, we had a weekly staff meeting. Everyone needed to bring one client success story. And he was very insistent on that and would not let anyone get by without saying something. And as a result, everyone would show up with a story. And sometimes the stories, occasionally we would hear a story that was amazing. More often, though, we would hear like, oh, this cool thing happened to your earlier point of like not trying to create the epic drama, but like, oh, there was something cool that happened. And it had two really powerful effects. One of them was it was a great team building because we would always do it at the beginning of meetings. It was a great team building exercise that reminded us all of like what we were there to do, the cool things that we did in our work. So that was super cool. But the second effect of that was because we're all on the same team, like we would hear a cool story from a colleague like, oh, wow. I could tell that story to some of the, my contacts and the people are prospective customers, the people are thinking about doing business with us, and we would borrow stories from each other all the time. And so it was like a cool thing to just set up and do as a practice that we were just by the nature of like what we were doing every week of having staff meetings, we would automatically just start mining stories consistently. And there was always a fresh stream of stories coming in that we could all utilize. And uh, and it made it easy on ourselves rather than trying to sit down and think of like, what's the story that I need to do today? Beautiful. That's it. That is an example of institutionalizing this. This is what Jeff Bezos has done at the highest levels of of Amazon. You know, he he actually wrote about this in a letter to the shareholders that he he has told his senior leadership, you're not allowed to bring powerpoints to meetings with me anymore. Instead, show up ready to talk about stories. Tell your stories of what you're seeing, what's happening out there. Tell me the people piece of it. Let's talk about what do we think it means. Bezos said, smartest thing I ever did. That was his quote. It's the smartest thing I ever did. <laughs> I, I don't know if it was the smartest or not, but that's what he said. Yeah. Right? So it is this powerful conversation that we can invite. 
Well, my invitation is to take the first steps to actually start to find your stories. So maybe you sit down and do it formally. Maybe you start institutionalizing it like we just mentioned, or maybe you're just listening for those cues that time and place and incident that's happening. And start with the story deck cards. Send a message to David. He'll send over those six to get you started or go on his website. We'll have links for both. Or maybe go on Amazon and purchase the story deck. You'll have the full uh, system and uh, you'll be doing what we're doing, which is continually uh, utilizing stories, finding stories, and then using stories as a way to influence. And it's the language of leadership. David, always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it a ton. Always a pleasure. I I want my fifth time smoking jacket that says coaching for leaders on it. I'm working on a tote bag for you. I uh, will. We'll see what we can put together. (laughs) Always a pleasure, my friend. Thanks. Thank you. If this conversation was helpful to you, several related episodes I'd recommend. One of them's episode 350, How to Create an Unstoppable Culture. Ginger Hardage was my guest on that episode. Ginger is the former Senior Vice President of Culture at Southwest Airlines. David mentioned a wonderful story at the beginning of the episode. And of course, we've all heard so many great stories coming out of Southwest Airlines over the years. Ginger in that episode talks about what her and her team did over the years to really help to nurture and to create and to grow the culture that so many of us know at Southwest. And, of course, no surprise, a big part of it is storytelling. Episode 350, a great compliment to this conversation. I'd also recommend another conversation I had with David, episode 486, Three Stories to Tell During Uncertainty. In that conversation, David and I looked at three of the frameworks out of the story deck and talked through when times are uncertain, as they are very much right now, what are the frameworks and the kinds of stories that you want to be thinking about and looking for and telling inside your organization? Episode 486 for detailed frameworks on that. And then finally, I'd recommend episode 521, The Way to Earn Attention, with my guest Raja Raja Manar. Raja is the chief marketing officer at MasterCard. We had a conversation about marketing and how to attract attention. And guess what? No surprise, storytelling, a big part of how they do that work at MasterCard. And of course, throughout the marketing industry, episode 521 for a lot of insight there. All of those episodes you can find on the coachingforleaders.com website. If you have not already, I'm inviting you today to set up your free membership on our website at coachingforleaders.com. That is going to give you access to a ton of resources that are available to you as a free member. And one of those resources is direct access into something that's called Dave's Library. Speaking of finding things, I regularly have people ask me or I'll get emails to say, uh, hey, I'm looking for a good resource on coaching skills, or I'm trying to track down an article on remote work or insert topic here. And I have over the years been really intentional about trying to track down and database as many of those articles, podcasts, videos, TED Talks, you name it, As I found them, I curate them each week and I put them into the weekly leadership guide for your benefit. But I also am the back end, am always databasing and organizing all those resources. And none of us are at any uh, any want for 
amount of data and information anymore. The challenge is trying to wade through all the mediocrity that's out there and to find the best possible resources. I've already done that work for you. Not only have I done it, I've databased it all, tagged it, made it available to you. It is one of the many resources inside the free membership. When you log in with your free membership, just go over to Dave's library. You're going to see a ton of hashtags there. You can track down just about anything you're looking for under the topic of leadership and all, all by the way, all kinds of other things too. Parenting, the space program, other things I'm interested in. I'm always finding articles that don't show up in the weekly guides, tagging those on all areas of life databasing them for you. Just one of the many benefits of free membership. Go ahead and set up your account if you haven't already. Coachingforleaders.com is where to do that. And I will be back with you next Monday for our next conversation on leadership. Have a great week.